Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Hello everyone, my name is Manpreet and welcome to Through the Noise. Now, after more than a few weeks of relative common markets, U.S. rating agencies delivered a bit of a jolt with the U.S. sovereign ratings downgrade. Now, I was doing a bit of reading on the side and came across an interesting piece written earlier this year by the Pew Research Center on U.S. debt. Now, the headline numbers we all know well. At the time of writing earlier this year, they cited over $31 trillion in total debt, which amounted to about 120% of U.S. GDP. What I found more interesting, though, is how U.S. debt really got to where it is today in three big waves. Um, There was the big jump during the Reagan era, uh, there was the jump after the 2008 economic crisis, and the jump after COVID. What was even more interesting, of course, is the impact of falling bond yields. So despite this rise in debt, debt repayments as a share of government outlays uh, seem to have held relatively steady uh, as a higher debt figure was offset by lower borrowing costs. Now, quite a lot to think about there, but from a more near-term perspective, is the downgrade and the rise in bond deals something investors should worry about? Uh, to discuss this, we have a familiar voice on the podcast today, uh, Audrey Go, who heads Asta Location at the CIO office. So, welcome, Audrey. Thanks for joining us today. Um, could you start by helping unpack for our listeners last week's market events? Uh, for equity investors, do you see all of this as a near-term signal uh, being a positive one or a negative one? Well, thanks, Manfred. Well, over the week, we have seen rating agencies Fitch uh, did a one-notch downgrade on U.S. credit rating to AA+. That in itself is not a game-changer, but it does highlight the U.S. challenging fiscal outlook. Um, we have seen U.S. fiscal deficits surging higher this year, primarily due to falling tax receipts. And this has basically led the U.S. government to announce a higher-than-expected U.S. $1 trillion borrowing plan in Q3. Um, this week, we've also received data from U.S. as well as China uh, that continue to point to a global manufacturing uh, being in contraction and U.S. service activity is also slowing as well. Um, banks in the U.S. are continuing to tighten their lending standards according to the latest Fed quarterly senior loan officer survey, um, which really points towards a weaker growth outlook uh, going forward. Um, but having said that, it is not all bad news. If we look at the Q2 U.S. earnings season, uh, corporates have continued to beat expectations and consensus now expect the U.S. earnings to rebound in the second half of the year and U.S. corporate margins are also expected to improve as input costs decline alongside with ongoing disinflation today. Um, From a technical perspective, um, many of the technical factors that we are monitoring does not appear to be a headwind for risk assets rally. Uh, For example, our fear and greed indicator basically shows scope for further near-term upside after this week's wobble. And there are also plenty of cash at institution investors that could potentially sustain this year rally in the near term. So given these contrasting factors, uh, we would advocate investors to maintain a largely balanced allocation and see a window for investors to add to US technology sector, especially after the positive Q2 surprises, And we also like Chinese equities, uh, which could benefit from rotation out from developed market equities as Chinese Chinese authorities find you support for the ailing property sector and consumption as well. Okay, so a a relatively positive near-term message on on some areas in equities. But let's go back to, I think, uh, the rating downgrade itself. I mean, when it comes to US government bond deals and the dollar, uh, how does it impact your view? So we expect the downgrade, uh, the impact from the downgrade to be quite limited. Um, Historically, when AAA-rated developed market sovereign bonds were downgraded, the associated sell-off usually lasted for no more than a week. 
And I think more importantly, uh, Fitch has continued to affirm the US country ceiling at AAA. This is key because it allows other AAA-rated US securities, such as municipal bonds or even government-sponsored entities, to retain their AAA rating without being downgraded by default as well. And we continue to remain confident in the ability of the US government to service its debt and the role of US bonds and US dollar in the global financial markets. So in the near term, we have seen yields on US government bond yields spiking up on this news. And we do believe that this has opened an opportunity for investors to consider adding to government bonds as we expect the US 10-year Treasury bond yield to fall to 3 to 3.25% over the next 12 months. For US equities, the downgrade could certainly provide a catalyst for a mild pullback, given that they were already struggling to break higher. But having said that, we do not expect US equities to experience the dramatic drop that we saw uh, following the downgrade back in August 2011, given the economic growth backdrop today is certainly much better compared to then. Um, Valuation, however, appears to be a tad expensive uh, relative to global equities. Hence, at the margin, we would consider trimming some of our US equity exposure and rotating them into Chinese equities, uh, given economic surprises is at its lowest level in five years, and government policies continue to government support from government policy, we expect that to continue to rise as well. And from a currency perspective, the sovereign downgrade should have limited impact for the US dollar. We have seen uh, the US dollar edging higher amid the risk of sentiment. Um, however, we are modest, modestly bearish on the US dollar in the near term, given after the recent move higher. And we do see 103.4 as the next key resistance and 102.3 being the next key support. Right. Thanks, Audrey. Um, Let's shift gears a little bit to the Bank of Japan, because while there's a lot of focus on the US downgrade, uh, the other big event we had last week was the shift in policy from the Bank of Japan. Um, Do you see that policy shifts are pointing to perhaps a stronger dollar or or potentially what may may be the impact be on Japanese equities? Well, in the last week, we have seen the BOJ announcing a policy shift uh, to allow its benchmark 10-year bond yield to have greater flexibility and allowing it to raise, rise up to 1% from 0.5% previously. In recent days, it has also followed up with a bond purchase program to help manage the pace of the rise in bond yields. So our expectation is a continued move higher towards you know, higher inflation as well as greater policy normalization those are not likely to be positive for yen as a result dollar bearish. So we do expect US dollar yen to maintain a bearish bias over the next two to four weeks with key support levels at 140.9 followed by 137.3. In terms of Japanese equities, um, expectations of rising interest rates could well be seen as a valuation headwind, uh, particularly for those long-duration growth-oriented sector. However, if we were to look at MSCI Japan, its largest sector is in industrial, which is around 23% of its index, which together with the financial sector should benefit from higher yield. And this together with higher nominal growth as Japan emerges from deflation alongside with exposure to improving growth in China would be constructive for Japanese equities in our view. Therefore, we do not expect the BOJ policy shift to have a material negative impact on Japanese equities. In fact, our um, overweight rationale on Japan uh, still stay intact, given our expectations on improving corporate fundamentals, governance, as well as growth and share buyback. Thanks, Audrey. Uh, maybe one final question on corporate bonds before we close today's session. Um, 
high yield bonds in the US and Europe. Um, they've done performed extraordinarily well, but I can't help notice the contrast uh, of that performance versus the tightening lending conditions we're seeing from US banks. So do you see this as sustainable or should investors fade the rally in, in high yield bonds? So performance of high yield bonds tends to be quite closely correlated with economic growth and growth in the US have proven to be very resilient so far. So that has basically contributed to a tightening of credit premium or credit spread over treasuries. And if you look at the latest earnings season as well, uh, that has also been much better than expected with 80% of the companies beating expectations and therefore also supporting uh, developed market high yield bonds performance. Um, there are certainly some initial signs of credit matrix deteriorating, but that those are coming from a relatively high starting point. For example, if we look at the developed market high yield debt to debt, debt to EBITDA ratio that has risen over the last two quarters, but overall still remain well below its COVID nineteen peak, and many corporates have also front loaded their borrowing prior to the start of the rate hiking cycle, therefore helping them to cushion against the impact of higher rates today. But that being said, um, economic data does suggest that uh, um, while U.S. recession risk is likely delayed, but it's not necessarily averted. Uh, therefore, in our view, that continue to pose a risk to corporate earnings, risk sentiment, and therefore developed market corporate bond spreads. And valuations where it stands today also remains relatively expensive as well. Um, therefore, our view is while some of the gains that we have seen could well extend in the short term, we do continue to remain underweight on developed market high yield corporate bonds from a 6 to 12 months horizon. And we continue to advocate investors to use the recent rally to perhaps trim some exposure at the margin. Okay, thanks very much, Audrey, uh, for your time today. Uh, that's all we have time for, so we'll end the podcast there. Uh, quite a lot to think about this week, uh, but as always, the top three takeaways from me from our conversation. Uh, first, of course, uh, you know, the market volatility may very well be an opportunity to add to our preferred areas in equities. Audrey discussed, of course, US tech and a rotation to Chinese equities. Um, second, from a bond perspective, we just see issuance rather than the downgrade really being the driver for higher bond yields. Uh, but we see it really as an opportunity uh, to add and lock in that higher yield. And third, of course, the Bank of Japan, undoubtedly significant move, which may uh, obviously trigger some strength in the yen, but we'd stay the course on Japanese equities because it's improved corporate governance and cyclicality rather than FX as the main driver of our trade. So that's sort of uh, where we'll end it. Uh, thanks again for, for taking the time to listen in, and we look forward to speaking with you again next week. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.